you would turn to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, starting with verse 1. I also want to give honor to my pastor, who is also my dad. I, I know he's not here, but I want to give honor to him and for everything that he has done for me and for my life and what he has instilled in me over these 21 years that I have been on this earth. Um, but Numbers chapter 11, starting with verse 1, says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Verse 5, We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Verse 6, But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. I want to focus in on verse 6, and I want to read it in the message version. But nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. The children of Israel had already taken for granted the miracle that was given to them and was available to them each and every single day. And my version of what they were saying in this verse is manna. Again, all we get is miracle after miracle after miracle. And I want to speak just for a little bit on the topic when miracles become mundane. When miracles become mundane. One more time, I wonder if we could lift our hands and pray to God right now. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, we praise your name. may be seated when miracles become mundane. After 430 years of Egyptian bondage, the children of Israel were freed from Pharaoh and his tyranny. A life of heartache, a life of pain, and a life of uncertainty was over. God had promised them a land that was flowing with milk and honey. And after the 10 plagues, a miraculous deliverance was given. With Moses leading the way, the people of God were excited about their newfound freedom, that is, until they came to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army was charging in behind them, and the Red Sea was in front of them. Imminent death crept into the minds of the people as there was no place to go. Their relief turned into a riot. Their hopes of freedom turned into thoughts of death, their cheers into fears, and their optimism into skepticism. The miracle of deliverance became mundane based simply on a change of circumstances for the Israelites. The people of God failed to remember the miracle worker that they served. They failed to remember the power of God and his hand of protection. All they saw was the Red Sea and the cloud of dust from the most powerful army in the world. All they saw was the problems and the circumstances that were surrounding them. But you see, our circumstances does not determine the power of our God. The power of our God determines our circumstances. Psalm 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge 
and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. You see, God has everything in control. God loves his people so much. He delivered them from a land of bondage. He prepared a place for them flowing with milk and honey. Do you think he would have forgotten about them during their journey to deliverance? Do you think he is going to forget about you in your journey? Not a chance. He loved us enough to die on that old rugged cross so we could walk free from the chains of sin. He loved us so much that he went to prepare a place for us up in heaven. Jesus is right here with us. And scripture reads in Hebrews 13 and 5, speaking of Jesus, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Don't focus on the problems that you're facing. Don't focus on the circumstances that are around you. Turn your eyes on Jesus because he has everything under control. For the children of Israel, the miracle of deliverance became mundane, but God had another miracle on its way. Exodus 14 and 21 says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. You see, God has another miracle on its way. It may seem like all hope is lost, but don't fear because God has something else in store. The wilderness produced a number of miracles by the hand of God. A pillar of cloud and fire guarded and led the multitude in Exodus chapter 13. A strong wind made a path for the Israelites through the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army was drowned in that sea in Exodus 14. Bitter waters were made sweet and drinkable in Exodus 15. Manna rained from heaven for bread and quail was sent to provide meat in Exodus 16. Water came from a rock in Exodus 17. The budding of Aaron's staff in Numbers chapter 17 and the crossing of the Jordan in Joshua chapter 3. You see, we are, too soon to, we are too soon to forget the miracle of yesterday because of the problems that we are facing today. But I want to remind you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it before, he can do it again. If he has healed your body before, he will do it again. If he has brought deliverance from your sins, he will do it again. If he has performed a miracle in your life, he will do it again. No matter the situation, if God has done it before, he is going to do it again. And as grateful, as grateful as we are in knowing that God is able to bless us with another miracle, I wonder if this leads to the miracle becoming mundane. We know that God is able to perform another miracle in our lives. So now that miracle is almost expected and it loses its effect. It becomes mundane. After two months and 15 days of being freed from slavery, the children of Israel started to complain. Exodus 16 and 3 says, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. God heard their whining and their complaining, which I mean their, their prayers, but their whining and their complaining. God heard it. But I ask, what is the focus of our prayers? If not careful, we'll treat prayer as an obligation instead of an opportunity to draw closer to God. You see, life is full. We're all busy in a culture that has, that has invested billions and billions of dollars in research and development of time-saving devices. The average per person has less free time than ever before. For the most of the human race, life has just become that, a race to accomplish all we can between our morning alarms and when we lay down at night. Our days seem to be a mad collection of assignments, tasks, to-do lists that fill each waking moment with a nagging suspicion that in our haste, 
we may overlook some necessary items such as prayer. Too often we allow that which is urgent to crowd out that which is vital. As Christians, our greatest underlying motive should be to please God. We want our lives to reflect the values of Christ. Our day-to-day existence should reflect the things that the Lord values and goals that he deems worthy of our efforts. So occasionally, the wise person carefully examines his or her priorities and makes sure that prayer is a focal point in their lives. God was aware of that need in Israel and answered their prayers with a miracle of manna. However, no one knew exactly what manna was. Later, scripture does describe manna to be like a coriander seed, and its color was like the color of bdellium. And I know after that description, we all know exactly what that looks like. I know I do. Just kidding. I really don't. Um, (laughs) But how often do we say a prayer that is attached with our directions for God? We identify and express needs and tell God how he can help. We give him directions for how he can supply our needs. Lord, I have this coworker that just gets on my everlasting nerves, and I need you some way, somehow to please get them fired. And I place this in your hands right now, God. Or Lord, there's this girl, or for you girls, there is this guy that I am just in love with, even though it is only the fifth week of school, and they have never talked to me before. (laughs) But God, please, if it is your will, get me out of this friend zone that I'm stuck in and let them please fall in love with me. (laughs) I don't think that there is anything wrong with identifying our problem and requesting something specific from God. It just matters how we go about doing that. In fact, Israel was freed from Egyptian bondage because God heard the prayers of Israel by reason of their bondage. However, I wonder if sometimes that's why we miss the miracle. We miss what God is wanting to do in our lives because it is simply just manna. It isn't what we wanted. We don't know exactly what it is because the miracle isn't what we asked for. Just because God doesn't answer the way we want to or we want him to, that doesn't mean that he hasn't given us a miracle. The miracle could be that manna that you didn't know what it was. If we aren't careful, we may miss what God is wanting to do this week because it isn't a typical spiritual emphasis week, but it also hasn't been a very typical year for every single one of us. And if we focus on what there isn't and if we focus on what is different, if we complain about, you know, not bringing in a big name preacher and having these powerful services and these amazing, life-changing messages, then we may miss what God is trying to do in the student body. The miracle may be mundane simply because we just missed it. For 40 years, God provided the miracle of manna for the children of Israel. Every morning, with the exception of the Sabbath, manna would literally just be lying on the ground after the dew had gone up. One omer of manna per person. All they had to do was get up and go get it. Think about that just for a second. Every single morning, they woke up to a miracle. Just think about that for a second. Every morning, the people of Israel woke up to a miracle. And all they had to do was get up and go get it. That's all they had to do. And James said, you have not because you ask not. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be open. I preach to you right now, go get that manna. It's amazing to me how many people remain in the same situation when they are given the opportunity to be set free from the bondage of that current situation. Deliverance is here 
if you want it. The answer to your prayer is before your very eyes. All you have to do is get up and go get that manna. Circumstances, they often change, but God has a miracle for each and every single one of us. It may not be the answer that we want or the solution that we think is best, but God will always bring us through. The miracle may not be hand-fed to us on a silver spoon. We may have to do some work and go get the manna. And with this, I'll turn our attention to the opening scripture text, starting with verse 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. But nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. Many of life's circumstances change, but many also remain the same. You see, manna was provided for one basic but major need in our lives, and that is nourishment. The children of Israel complain, nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. And you see, when the miracle gets mundane, the issue is that we focus on the miracle. We focus on what we want and what we can get out of it instead of focusing on the master. The miracle gets mundane when we're in it for the miracle instead of for the master. Romans chapter 1, verses 25 says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Our focus needs to be on the master, not the miracle. The children of Israel had to get up and go get manna every day because today's miracle won't work for tomorrow. However, today's God will also be the God of tomorrow. The God on the mountain is still the God in the valley. The God of the day is still the God in the night. The children of Israel said this miracle does not taste good. However, in Psalm 34 and 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The miracle may get mundane, but the master is always magnificent. The master is always magnificent. And if the music wants to come, I told you all I wouldn't be very long tonight. I didn't want to hinder what God is wanting to do and he's, what he's going to continue to do. So if the music wants to go ahead and come, I'm almost done. And actually, you can all just go ahead and stand. Um, this, is, this is a story that I kind of feel ashamed to tell with Brother McClintock in here, but it's not nothing bad. It's not nothing too bad. So my freshman year, my freshman year, the fall of 2017, I came in like every single one of us does. I turned down scholarships. I turned down full rides to universities because God had called me to this little place in Florissant, Missouri called Urshan College. I came in with all these dreams and these aspirations and things that I wanted to do for the kingdom. You see, I was up every morning for prayer in that beautiful chapel at the old campus. There was really nothing like getting up and going in the morning and going to the chapel in the morning and seeing the sun come through and shine through those old stained glass windows. I was at every Vespers, I was at every chapel, I was at every student body prayer. I was there early. I was at every event that was going on around ca campus. I was just so excited to be at a place that was so powerful and impactful like Urshan College. That whole first semester, it felt like I was on such a spiritual high. I was seeing all of these great things take place on campus, and I was seeing all of these great things take place in my own personal walk with God, and that is until Christmas break came. And for all of you upperclassmen, you know what breaks are like. Breaks are difficult. Christmas break, summer break, they're all hard. You know, 
We come back after a great semester experiencing all these great things, and we want to tell everybody that we can. We want to see amazing things happen in our home church. But for this semester particularly, I got home, and there was just problems after problem after problem. Nothing seemed to go my way. It got so bad over Christmas break that I almost called it quits at the end of that semester. I just didn't feel like coming back in the spring. Just after one semester, I was done. But obviously, I came back. I'm here four years later, my senior year. But something had changed in me. That passion that I'd felt the semester before, that desire that I felt, it was no longer there. I'd started taking for granted where I was in the place where God had placed me. Morning prayer was thrown out the window because I would choose to sleep in instead and would sometimes miss classes because of that. I chose to work on Tuesday nights so I wouldn't have to go to student body prayer every week. In that semester, we had chapel on Tuesdays and on Thursdays, and it wasn't a choice. You had to go to both, Tuesdays and Thursdays. But I would go to one and would sometimes even be late to the one that I would go to. I had done a complete 180 from who I was and where I was the previous semester. I had lost my hunger and my desire because I had taken for granted where I was and forgot why I was here. And if you don't hear anything else that I've said tonight, please hear this. The miracles in your life become mundane when you lose your hunger and your desire and become complacent with where you are and who God has called you to be. Tim and I, we've already talked about it so much and I've already noticed it multiple times throughout this semester, but there is such a hunger and a desire and I've seen it once again tonight in this student body this year to go deeper and to see things that we've never seen before. And I pray don't lose that hunger Don't lose that desire. Don't let the place where you are at become mundane. I wonder if we could all lift our hands and begin to cry out to God. I know we can't come up to the front, but if you have to fall on your face like I did, do that. If you have to sit down or walk around, do that. Do whatever you need to do. Just don't lose that desire to draw close to God. Let's begin to pray and seek God's face right now. God, I pray for each and every single student that is in this place. God, don't let us lose our hunger. God, don't let us lose our desire. God, don't let the miracles in our life become mundane. God, I pray for each and every single person, and I pray right now that if we never see another miracle in our life, God, that we would never lose sight of who you are. If we never see another miracle, God, you are always magnificent and worthy of our everything. God, I pray for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done in this place. God, I worship you, Lord, and I praise your name. God, you are so great, and you are so greatly to be praised.